Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Following is a presentation of KSL Sports. Hello, Cougar Nation. Hand off middle. First down. Touchdown! And listen to the Cougar Nation. Every Monday night, we break down the Cougars' last game and look ahead to next week. Cougar Nation, brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. Here's BYU insider Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio. Cougar Nation, welcome in to our BYU versus SUU recap show. Can't wait. To get going here, we're here every single Monday from 6 to 7. There's a lot of ways to interact with the show as well. You can listen right here on KSL News Radio, which you're probably doing, and thanks for joining us. You can watch us on the KSL Sports app, kslsports.com, KSL Sports YouTube. You can interact with us that way. Jonathan Ashcroft on YouTube from Henderson, Nevada. Shout out to you. Love the show and the takes. Let's have a great show, and we got a great show planned, Mitch. That we do. we got to break down this BYU win over Southern Utah and get an early look of course, of the Arkansas Razorbacks as well as the Cougars will go out on the road in week three to take on the Hogs from the SEC. And here on the show, too, we want you to be part of it as we'll be taking your phone calls, 801-575-8255. What are your expectations for this BYU game against Arkansas coming up? If you do get on the air, you'll qualify uh, to be potentially the winner later on this month for the BYU-Cincinnati tickets. So hit those phone lines, 801 575 8255. But right now, we got to jump into our takeaways from BYU's 41 to 16 win over Southern Utah. And takeaway number one, Matt, we got to start with Keaton Slovis. Oh, Keaton Slovis was great. That was, uh, I think, the biggest takeaway is that he bounced back in a big way, showing what he can do in this offense led by Aaron Roderick. You got to love these stats, Mitch. 22 of 32, 348 yards, four TDs. Did have the pick, though if you watch that play live or have rewatched it, that clearly was a situation where they were dialing up a big play, probably a scoring play. The pressure got there and it resulted in a pick. Did have the rushing touchdown as well. It was nice to see him put up these kind of numbers because you wondered, is what could he bounce back like he did in his freshman and sophomore years at USC? This was a great glimpse into what is possible with Slovis and this passing attack. BYU head coach Kalani Satake on Keaton Slovis. If you give him time to throw, then he can do it. The sad part about when he got hit, got the pick, I know where he was going for the ball, and I think it was going to be a big-time play for us. But we need to find ways to keep him upright because when he's there and he can throw and he can deliver the ball with the right timing, he's, he's really, really good. We saw that a lot against SUU, and I just look, we needed to see it, right, Mitch? Because you and I, I think we feel the same way. 
a lot of the success this season will depend on Keen Slovis. They need him to be a great quarterback. They need him to live up to the expectations that NFL scouts have. As someone who could become an NFL draft pick, I think we saw that potential against the T-Birds. No question. I think you do got to factor in the opponent and yes. the fact that he tore up that opponent. That that shows you, gives you a proof of concept that, that you know, Keaton Slovis can perform at a high level in this offense when given time, as Kalani noted. And I think that his ability to pass the ball, he's got a lot of velocity behind his passes. I mean, sometimes it was a little bit too much speed in the intermediate throws to Isaac Rex, but I liked what Keaton Slovis did in this offense. Now it's just a question of does it translate to Arkansas? Does it translate against Kansas? That's going to be the big question moving forward, but it was a nice bounce-back performance after what was just – not an embarrassing, but an underwhelming week one against Sam Houston. And to Sam Houston's credit, they were pretty good once again defensively in week two against Air Force. Their offense was terrible. Their offense it's a disaster. Yeah. But uh, Slovis had a nice bounce back, and I think the passing game as, as a whole capitalized and, and put up some nice numbers in week two. Takeaway one, Slovis was great. What's uh, what's your next takeaway, Mitch? Zero sacks. It's a bit concerning for BYU's defense. You know, you go through two games and only one sack, and that one sack came on the opening possession of the season. And to not get any sacks against Southern Utah, I thought that was a bit underwhelming to, to me, and I think that that's something that, you know, they're seeing more pressure. They're bringing the blitzes. They're bringing more pressure to these opposing quarterbacks. They're just not – getting to they're not getting there to make that play happen and that's going to be something that's critical for this BYU defense moving forward you can't have I don't expect a season where they're going to have only 15 sacks again they're 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 going to get they're going to outdo that number but time's ticking you're already at the game three so it's a little bit worrisome to see zero sacks against the T-Birds yeah my uh, bold prediction at the start of the year of having 15 sacks by the end of September not looking good Mitch (laughs) here's what linebacker Max Tooley had to say about the lack of sacks we saw tonight that the quarterback, he wanted to get rid of that ball quick. So when a guy's trying to get rid of the ball like that, it's going to be harder to get sacks, regardless of what we got going on. But we showed that we can hit the quarterback the last couple of weeks. So I think, yeah, just as we're, we're all more in tune with the defense and getting into the swing of things, I think you'll see a lot more pressure, a lot more sacks on the stud sheet. I'm buying into that, what Max Tooley says, because I think, again, Jay Hill can drop some schemes, and I think that he can – uh, you know, dial up some some pressure. It's just they they got to have the personnel to get home and, and make those plays happen. And I, I still would say that Jay Hill's defense is still uh, maybe a year or two away from having all the collection of personnel that he probably needs to have to execute his defense at a high level. But uh, you know, they, they are. I'm still buying stock on BYU's defense, though. Yeah. Uh, I just you want to see those sacks. That's an important piece. But as Kalani noted today, he'd rather see. He, he likes interceptions better than sacks. I was just going to say, the the positive side of this is that they are creating some turnovers, which, right. is, which is critical. I'm with Kalani. I'd rather have the picks. Yeah. Than this. I mean, I, I want it all, Mitch. I, I want the sacks. I want the picks. I want the fumbles. But uh, it's nice to see that they're generating some turnovers, which is a good sign. Takeaway number three, what, what say you, Matt? I hate to go down this route because when you win 41-16 and the offense, especially the passing attack, is looking good, but where the freak is the run game? I mean, outside of the second half flash of L.J. Martin, this run game has been very disappointing. And and when you put up 23 carries for 46 yards, you dip into the transfer portal, you land Aiden Robbins. We were expecting this to be not quite Algier workload, but like, what, at least 15 totes a game? 
He had three. He had three carries for six yards. Like, you just, I don't see how this team, I don't care what number Slovis puts up, I don't see how you get to six wins if you cannot run the football. And look, Aaron Roderick said today, hey, they loaded the box, the safeties were low, it was hard to run. That's probably all true. Like, he's smarter than me. But I'd still like to think that BYU can run the football on a team like SUU. No disrespect to SUU. But BYU's athletes are better at every single position, even when the box is stacked. Can we have uh, an average better than two yards per carry? Like, I am very concerned about the run game and specifically this offensive line. I just, I have not seen the push. I haven't seen the holes. Uh, That was a glaring takeaway to me, Mitch. The 46 yards would not be a concern if this was against Arkansas and you won 41 to 16 against the Hawks. (laughs) But you're right, because the opponent being the T Birds, you go, what gives? Because. I get it that, hey, they're going to stack the box. You take advantage of the area that they're leaving some man-to-man opportunities and BYU capitalize in that regard. But physically, you should be a lot better than SUU in the trenches. And they just weren't were not that. Caleb Etienne, uh, Kingsley Suamate-Ia was in and out. The offensive tackles have underperformed. Yep. And, and some of the interior players, too. I still believe you go to Connor Pay back at center. Yeah. I think that's a better fit for BYU. When you're trying to identify the best five along that offensive line, everyone is kind of in a different spot than they've been in the past. Get them to where they're at their best. And you keep Kingsley to the left. He's outstanding. But, you know, he, hopefully he's full go healthy this week against Arkansas. Caleb Etienne, though, is underperformed. And, you know, Mike Gundy's being a little bit validated so far yep. with how Etienne has played through the first two weeks. So BYU has got to get things right off on the offensive line in the preseason. We talked about this on this same show. It's like, will they live up to the hype and will they will they have that physicality up front? Because I felt like they've been more along the lines of what they looked like last year against Oregon and compared to this dominant force that I expect them to be. Pass blocking, they've been good still. Uh, the run blocking, though, is where they've let down, and this run attack has to get going because I think BYU, you're going to be in so many games where you're an underdog, and you got to be able to shrink the clock a little bit, shrink the game time, and that's going to be by running the football. You cannot just air it out 35, 40 times and rely on Slovis the entire game. That's a great point, Mitch. I, I just dawned on me, really. The offensive line, not a single player from last year in terms of where they played, is in the same spot now. And I think, to your point, the obvious choice is, let's get Connor Pay back at center. We've seen that work before, and let's go from there, identifying a a cohesive offensive line group that can get the job done. we got to take a break here. Uh, Hey, Cougar Nation, brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. Fee-only fiduciaries who help you live uh, within your meaning. Blue Barn Wealth. Lots of ways to interact with the show. You can text us 57500. Uh, Call us if you want to win tickets to BYU and Cincinnati. You call, you get on the air, you qualify. We'll draw that a little closer to game day between the uh, Cincinnati and BYU. 801-575-8255. You can comment on YouTube as well. Got to take a break. On the other side, we'll give out some helmet stickers from the win against SUU. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter... 
We relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Cougar Nation. on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into Cougar Nation, brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. If you need BYU football updates this season, which I know you do, if you're listening to Cougar Nation, you absolutely need those text updates. Text BYU to 57500. You can get updates on game day, any injury updates, news, information, breaking news. Text BYU to 57500. Whenever we recap a game here on Cougar Nation, we always dish out some helmet stickers. Cougar Nation, helmet stickers. Mitch and Matt dish out the stickers for BYU's best players this week. We do this every single week throughout the season, Mitch. It's just a fun little way to recognize some notable performances throughout the game. In a win or a loss, we're going to do this because, hey, you can still have a great game and a loss. So... Let's start with you. Where are you going with your first helmet sticker? Got to start off with Keaton Slovis. You know, he was on the list for Offensive Player of the Year or Offensive Player of the Week candidates for the Big 12 this week. I didn't vote for Slovis on that. I went with Quinn Ewers, who had that big win over Alabama. What did Quinn Ewers do? He he took down the Christian Tide on the road. Look, But, hey, Keaton Slovis had himself a nice day, and – it, it was that great breakout performance, and I thought the the picture that BYU football X'd out or posted out on X was was pretty cool. Him and his dad uh, again. Keenan's a guy that you know we're not cheering for people in this business, but you gotta like like his story because you see what's happening at Pitt. They're struggling with Phil Jerkovic, and they were just talking smack behind Keenan Slovis's back, and basically said, "Leave, please leave." And you, you kind of want this guy to have a, a cool finish to his BYU and college career and maybe have a chance to go to the NFL. So Keaton Slovis, job well done in week two. Still a lot of work to be done, but it was a great performance that warrants a helmet sticker. No doubt about it, Mitch. And I loved his commentary afterwards talking about his performance. I loved how he mentioned how much fun he's having playing with his friends. Here's his commentary on a big 65-yard pass to tight end Isaac Rex. That was probably one of the best throws I've ever seen in my time here. Rewatching, I was like, there was three guys, and Keaton put it in the perfect spot. For me personally, I was like, that is one of the best throws I've seen. It was a little tight, but uh, it was very tight. I uh, yeah, Isaac and I were just watching locker room, and he's like, I didn't realize the other guys. I was like, yeah, I was a little nervous, but uh, I worked out again. It's big target, so it gives me a lot of room for error. You also heard Isaac Rex in that clip, and I'm giving him a helmet sticker, Mitch. I, I I thought it was so nice to see Rex featured in the offense in the way that I think he is best suited for. Uh, there was a lot of intermediate throws. We just talked about that 65-yard grab. His touchdown catch was great, and it was a significant one. Tied Gordon Hudson for most touchdown catches as a tight end position. So next one for him, he's breaking a record. And I, it just feels like, hey, the tight end's a priority again. We're going to get it to him. Look, they targeted him a lot against Sam Houston. Didn't always connect. But I like that this passing attack is getting the ball to the playmakers. And that's what I prefer. At the end of the day, it's about a win. But if you can choose a style of play, 
Get the ball to the playmakers. Lots of Chase Roberts, lots of Darius Lasseter, lots of Isaac Rex. That's what we're seeing in the passing game. And I love that Isaac Rex had uh, not not a coming out party because he's a household name. But it just felt like, okay, this dude is going to be a significant piece of the passing attack. Well, it was a coming out party post-injury, I think. I think it's by far his best performance since that injury a couple years ago in Los Angeles. My other helmet sticker goes to Camden Garrett, Weber State grad transfer, stepping in at the starting cornerback position, and he gets an INT, comes up with a pick. You know, him and Eddie Heckard, Jacob Robinson, a very good trio for BYU at cornerback. And Camden Garrett was was lesser known than compared to the pre- other two that I mentioned, but Garrett has stepped in and been a difference maker for BYU. And, you know, General Guilford said he loves his physicality at the line of scrimmage. These three guys have given BYU the luxury to play a lot of man press coverage. They've tested BYU's wide receivers as well, which I think will be an interesting dynamic to see how BYU's receivers fare against man press against Arkansas, who likes to be very aggressive as well with their defensive package. But Camden Garrett's been a nice addition for BYU out of the portal. These are the type of FCS transfers that you want. Leveling up, want to be on a bigger stage, highly productive players. I was a bit surprised that this was his first career INT throughout his whole college career. But Garrett's been a good one for BYU and a well-deserving of a helmet sticker yeah. this week. He was he had a really nice performance. Well done by Camden Garrett. Before I get to my final helmet sticker, we're taking calls, 801-575-8255. If you get on the air, you'll qualify for tickets to the BYU and Cincinnati football game. And any thoughts you have on the SUU game, we'd love to hear your commentary on that. And then also, a little later, thoughts on the Arkansas game. How confident are you that this team can go down and avenge that loss from last year? So 801-575-8255. My final helmet sticker, Mitch. It's going to go to the special teams. we got a little bit of a joke on Cougar Sports Saturday. That's uh, another show you and I have every single Saturday, noon to 3, Right here on KSL News Radio, and this Saturday we got an extended pregame starting at noon, going for three and a half hours. Yes, getting you ready for a—it's a huge football game because we're going to learn if this team is up to the challenge of having a good debut in the Big Twelve or not. Because it's just hard to hard to really test that against SUU and Sam Houston. So we'll get that going at noon this Saturday. I'm going special teams. Marcus McKenzie, this freshman man. Uh, I am really impressed with his grit, his determination. He's not the only one. There's like Harrison Taggart, I think, falls into this category as well. Just balling out on special teams. But McKenzie, he's reminding me of Daniel Sorensen a little bit Mm. on that on punt coverage team. Just relentless. He always seems to beat his guy off the line of scrimmage, making plays. Like this dude. Sometimes you hear coach speak. oh, this guy's going to be a good player down the road, and it doesn't pan out because we heard that about Marcus McKenzie from Jay Hill in fall camp. And now you're seeing it on game days. It's like, okay, this dude is going to be a legit defensive back for BYU in the very near future. Fun to see him ball out, and he's made a difference on special teams. 10-5, 100-meter guy coming out of Pineview High School. He's one of the fastest uh, track athletes out west in his graduating class, and you know, Kalani noted in the post game on Saturday that he's got a twin brother, Dominique McKenzie, who's serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He comes back next year. You're going to have both these guys that have 10-5, 100-meter times helping BYU in the secondary and also, of course, on special teams. But Marcus McKenzie might be 
the most discussed gunner of all time in BYU football. I mean, there's been a few over the past recent seasons that have been good gunners. I think Zane Anderson was a pretty good one as well. You noted Daniel Sorensen. But Marcus McKenzie, the way, what, what's making him a storyline is the fact that right when the punt is caught by the punt returner, McKenzie's there, and he's out running some of the punts from Rico. It's impressive to see, and I'm curious now to see how these opposing teams, like in Arkansas, like Kansas coming up, how they actually game plan for him on punt team. I mean, it's it's kind of the third phase of the game. It is a legit weapon between Rico and Marcus McKenzie. Through two weeks, these two might be the, the best dynamic duo yeah. that BYU has this season. Those guys have been impactful. Uh, maybe that's a bad thing because BYU's punting the ball so much. But still, it's good to have a, a nice piece like Marcus McKenzie who can help in a, ri- a variety of ways for BYU. We're getting some calls. 801-575-TALK. Let's go to Paul from Orem. Paul, what do you got for us, man? Hey, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, watching the game, do we have – it feels like we have the personnel for our, on the line, but are they just not getting the, the right assignments and making the gaps for the runners, or what are we seeing on that? I think some of the zone blocking – you know, BYU was previously a, a wide zone blocking team – with with Jeff Grimes and some of that's shifted under Daryl Funk, and so some of the assignments you I mean you'd have to be in that specific room to understand the exact assignments, but it just seems like they are not exploding off the line of scrimmage and getting that push and pushing these teams back. You see it in this run blocking. I mean, it's not getting these these opponents to the second level. And BYU's offensive line, I don't think, has been physical for the past few years since Jeff Grimes left for Baylor. I think they've underperformed in recent years. I think I even heard in an interview, Trevor Manage, it was on BYU TV, he was saying something like, they've underperformed. And I agree. Yeah. I feel like BYU's offensive line, every single year we talk about these these guys being maybe some of the best ever, I think they've underperformed. I, mean, I remember a couple of years ago, Aaron Roderick said, this is Big 12 ready. This is the position group that's ready to step in, turnkey ready in the Big 12. Not the case at all. No. And they've at, they've upgraded what would seem like better personnel than in years past. They've underperformed. That's got to get fixed coming up this week. Thanks for the call, Paul. We'll keep taking your calls, 801-575-TALK. I'd also add to that, it's clear the learning curve of everyone playing new positions is taking longer than we thought for sure. them to gel as a group. We'll take the break here. News, traffic, and weather coming up. On the other side, we'll discuss what's trending up and down in the world of BYU football back in just a moment. Cougar Nation. Touchdown. Cougars take the lead. Every Monday at 6 on KSL News Radio. Coming to you live here in downtown Salt Lake City at Broadcast House. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. We're watching some Monday night football. And I bring this up because it's Jets, Bills. Breaking news. (laughs) Did not expect this to happen. Drive number two, Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers goes down with what appears to be an apparent leg injury. That means it's Zach Wilson time again in Gotham. So we'll keep tabs on that, but Zach Wilson in the game already. He's left the sideline. So he was on a cart for a moment. Aaron Rodgers. Now he's limping back into the tunnel. Does not look good. Obviously, we don't know the full extent of the injury, but... The uh, Aaron Rodgers excitement that wore off quick. <laughs> Jets are a cursed franchise. I can tell you that much. We'll see how Zach does. All the tutor mentoring and, and tutor, tutor uh, uh, kind of learning from Aaron Roderick. We'll see uh, Rodgers how that goes. I said Aaron Roderick. How it goes for Aaron Roderick. <laughs> Zach Wilson it's going with fine Aaron for Aaron Roderick. And that's uh, maybe a good segue to this next segment. 
Cougar Nation, trending. What's trending up and what's trending down this football season? I'll start things off to keep true with the segue, Mitch. Okay. Uh, trending up for me, Chase Roberts as number one wide receiver. Ooh, okay. Led the team in receptions yet again, and he's become a reliable intermediate and short game target. Remind me a little bit of how they used Neil Pau two seasons ago in that 2021 year, that first year under Jaron Hall. And I've just, I've been really impressed with his game. I, I, I think that chemistry that we saw in spring football, we've heard about it off the field. It's clearly translating on the field. And look, Chase Roberts has a great skill set, highly recruited guy. You'd love to see him turn into that. And so far through two games, just in terms of sheer receptions, he's looking like wide receiver one out. It's a deep group. It's not just going to be him, but I've really liked what I've seen between him and Keen Slovis. Sam Pittman, Arkansas head coach, gave some high praise to Chase Roberts as well. I think you're you're definitely right that Roberts is emerging as that top receiver for BYU. For me, what's trending up for BYU, I will say the run defense. They're 10th nationally, giving up only 61 yards per game. Again, you got to factor in the opponents, but still, they took care of business as they were expected to do against Sam Houston and Southern Utah. That was not the case last year. You could have trotted out a terrible Stanford. I've seen BYU struggle against Georgia Southern stopping the run. BYU stopping the run the last two years was not happening. COVID year, they were great you know, against a weaker schedule, and they were top five, I believe, nationally that year. But the last two years, they couldn't stop anyone on the ground. And and to just, again, see that impact that Jay Hill's making, I'm going to buy in to the trending up of the run defense being 10th nationally. They'll have a game or two but I where they probably give up some yards, but I, I just feel like they are going to be stout up front. That interior of the line with Jackson Cravens, Nice Amahe, it hasn't got much headlines through the first two weeks, but it's been a very underrated piece to BYU's success through the first two weeks. Let's do our trending down. What's uh, what's one area that we're a little down on right now? I'll start things off. We've already touched on it quite a bit, but the offensive line for me is trending down, and it's it's sad because you look at the talent, you look at the games started by a lot of these players. Like Caleb Etienne started all of last year for Oklahoma State. So did Kingsley. So did Con- you know Connor Pay played in a lot of games for BYU last year. Waylon Lapawaho started all the games for Utah State, and the chemistry just hasn't been there. And I feel like we've seen enough to where there's got to be a change made. And I think the first string to pull on is Connor Pay back to center. Uh, he knows the offense. Maybe better than any lineman in the group. He's he's played the most in BYU's offense of this group. He's been someone who did all the snaps with Keen Slovis in spring football. So there's some continuity there with the quarterback. I just I have not seen it yet where this group is gelling. Because you go back to that you just mentioned the COVID season and instantly what flashed in my mind, Mitch, was that Navy game where you're like, geez, this this offensive line is like. Another, le- an- another level. They were just, and look, Navy wasn't any good, but all throughout that year, you could rely on that offensive line to get push in the run game. That was the breakout year for Algier, and it wasn't just Algier. Algier, he's great, but that line was good too. I just, there's enough talent. We kept hearing it. There's seven or eight playable guys. We got to, time's running out, as you said. We got to find the five that can play together and move the line of scrimmage. The nice thing for being in a league now is, 
is that this week is one last test before it really counts in conference play to kind of figure out that offensive line. What's trending down for me is BYU's schedule. And what I mean by that is BYU isn't favored to win any of the remaining 10 games on its schedule. That according to ESPN FPI. BYU is an underdog in the remaining 10 games this season. They got a 22% win probability against Arkansas. It's crazy to see the shift with the Cincinnati game. Cincinnati, who beat Pitt last weekend, they're now favored to beat BYU. BYU's only got a 29% win probability against Cincy. Didn't see that coming heading into the year. So BYU, potentially as of today, an underdog in the remaining 10 games. Wow. Pretty wild to think. Now things can change. You get one win against Arkansas. That's going to skew the numbers a bit. But there's never been a season. I feel pretty confident in saying, looking at the history of BYU football over the years, there's never been a season where BYU staring down 10 straight weeks of maybe being an underdog or at best a 50-50 toss-up game. You probably got to go back to the days of, what, Giant Romney? I mean, you got to <laughs> dive in big time. To, I don't know if were there were their odds back then. <laughs> I don't know if there was some wise guys in the desert back then running those sort of things. But BYU projected to be an underdog by ESPN and FPI in the last 10 games. We're taking your calls, 801-575-TALK. That's 801-575-8255. And if you get on the air before the BYU-Cincinnati game, you're automatically entered in to win tickets to that game. And let me tell you right now, these are good tickets. So if you're at home, if you're wavering, do it. I don't have tickets. Do I want to go? I'm scared to get on the call edge. Just call in. us. We're not that intimidating, I promise. We'll, well speak we'll... for yourself. I am. I oh, I come geez. off as very intimidating. I'm sure. I have a very mean scowl. That's why it's a phone call, so they can't see our faces. <laughs> hey, we, we got a call. Watch on YouTube. <laughs> we got a call right now. Andy in Utah. Hopefully, uh, not Utah City, as that uh, that city hasn't been built yet. But Andy, what do you got for us on this Arkansas game? Guys, you made me all nervous with these with, with that ticket talk. I'm all nervous now. I, uh, I'm looking forward to the Arkansas game. I, I'm tired of us going down to SEC country and laying eggs. The thing that I want to see is the downfield blocking by our wide receivers of yesteryear. We watched the SUU game. Isaac Rex is rumbling down the field. It felt like he was running for 10 minutes and nobody got up there to lay a block for him to get him to the end zone. I want to see some more of that. I thought the same thing, actually, on that. I'm like, can Chase Roberts lay a block here for everyone to get this dude in? I think the good news on that front is BYU's best run-blocking receiver came back last week. Keanu Hill, I think, is the best run-blocking receiver. Aaron Roderick has said as much that he sets the tone in that department. It's a great point because you need everyone blocking. But I thought that the the run-blocking for the receivers was pretty good against SEU. I just felt like there was no openings at the line of scrimmage. When you're constantly getting met at the line of scrimmage, it's hard to get to that next level. But it, it, it is a good point, Andy, that, look, it's got to be a team effort. The wide receiver's got to be doing it, and the line's got to step up too. 801-575-8255. 801-575-TALK. Hop on board with us. Chat with us. Give us your thoughts on the Arkansas game or whatever's on your mind about BYU football if you hit the air You'll qualify to potentially win tickets to the BYU Cincinnati game. We got to take our final time out. We'll get to more of your phone calls. Also, Texas five seven five zero zero. Get to some of your texts as well. It's Cougar Nation here on KSL News Radio, and it's always powered by KSLSports.com. Cougar Nation. The Cougars picked it up, and in overtime they won it. 
Mornings, every Monday at 6 on KSL News Radio. We weren't expecting to talk Jets and Zach Wilson, but seeing all these Jets fans just depressed at MetLife in Monday Night Football. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, and Zach Wilson's back as QB1, apparently, for the Jets now, and all these Jets fans are just depressed. The man they sworn off, they, they scolded all the Jets players basically changing their ex-profile pictures to Aaron Rodgers saying, get rid of Zach. Now he's back. QB1. Crazy to see. What's would be even crazier, Matt, is if BYU pulled off an upset here against Arkansas. We want to hear your takeaways or your thoughts on this BYU-Arkansas game coming up on Saturday night. Kickoff at 5.30, extended, and I mean extended pregame. Going to be at noon. Myself and Matt live from Fayetteville. We'll get you ready for the Cougars and the Hogs. BYU is a big underdog. First time in five years BYU's going in to a game as a double-digit underdog. Call me crazy, and you might, Mitch. I feel like this is still a winnable game. I, I just I don't buy that Arkansas is that special. I don't like their new offensive coordinator at all. I remember watching him a couple years ago when he ran the show at Miami. Coach Eaton is Dan Enos. Yes. I do not think this dude is any good. So they have a nice quarterback. They are missing their star running back, Raheem Rocket Sanders. Love that name. Love the name, and he was amazing against BYU last year. 175, two TDs, not playing. I just, I don't feel like Arkansas is one of the better teams in the SEC. I, I, I feel like this is a winnable game. Now, BYU will have to play better than they've played these first two weeks, but it is by no means is this a situation. Like, this feels to me a lot like the Tennessee game in 2019. Tennessee was okay that year. I think they finished 500. That's probably where Arkansas was eight wins finish. that year. Oh, eight. Yeah. Okay, that was the year they they ran, they had a bunch at right there at the end. Yes. So, look, I think this is a winnable game. I think this Jets injury is way worse than than what than this game would be in terms of sh- a shock factor. So. That's my two cents on Arkansas. Arkansas has finished seven and six last year. Their far and away their best performance offensively was against BYU. Six hundred forty-four yards given up to the Hogs by BYU a season ago. I'll tell you, this is going to be night and day difference. And even Sam Pittman today in his press conference said this is going to be a completely different BYU defensive scheme that we saw a year ago. And because last season BYU couldn't do anything to stop KJ Jefferson and this Hogs attack. I do think there's some opportunities for BYU's defense to have success against Arkansas. I'm with you there. But I'm very curious to see how BYU's offense stacks up against the Arkansas defense. There's some, in the the second tier of, of Arkansas's defense, there's a little bit of inexperience at the linebacker position, but they've got a very good defensive line with Trajan Jeffcoat, who was the SEC Defensive Player of the Week this, this, uh, this week. He had a great game against Kent State. He's going to be a handful, and that's a little bit worrisome because if BYU's offensive line, which has had struggles, cannot give that clean pocket to Keaton Slovis, what does this game look like? But, yeah, I felt double digits seems high, a, a little bit high because BYU also, to Kalani's credit, they've always been a good team in revenge opportunities. Now, Kalani downplayed the revenge commentary and wasn't bought into all of that, but you think about Wisconsin in 2018. They go in as a three-touchdown underdog. They win in Madison. They won at Arizona uh, as a sizable underdog to open that season. BYU does better than people think in these sort of spots, but 
But still, this is a, a game where I think the thought would be the overall collection of talent on Arkansas's roster is going to be far superior than BYU because a middle-of-the-road SEC team, typically in most things, maybe not this year because the SEC is a little bit down, yep. but maybe in most years you would think that might be in the upper tier of a lot of power leagues. 801-575-8255, that's the number. Give us your thoughts on this Arkansas game. How confident are you that BYU can win? I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm confident that BYU can win. I just don't look at this game as a, okay, like that Texas game, which always felt like a loss, but then you see what they do against Alabama, and Quinn Ewers is clearly taking a big step forward. They've got unbelievable playmakers in the passing game. That feels like a loss, like, I can't dream up a scenario where they beat Texas. Here, I can dream one up, and sure. it, it all starts with the run game, Mitch, but I'm not the only one who thinks that the blocking needs to improve in order for this run game to flourish. Here's head coach Kalani Sataki talking about the rush attack. I just want to see the ball carried with, with more intensity and get more yards. You know, I, I don't know. I have to watch the film, but we need somebody that can that can carry the ball and, and do, it, do it the right way. We need someone that can block for them and Make sure we get more yards. That's what we got is not good enough. We're taking calls. 801-575-8255. Right now we got Jeff on the line. Wants to talk some quarterbacks. Jeff, what do you got for us? Hi, thank you. Yeah, just a little bit. I realized that when it happened, the game was out of reach. But um, Slovis was doing really well. They pulled him out near the end of the game. And then Flanagan, I think that's his name, came in. And uh, he had a really rough time. He could hardly, I mean... I'm no quarterback, of course, but he could hardly move the ball. How concerned are we about our second and third string quarterbacks? Because we've seen it in the past where we've had to go to the backup sometimes. And then I'll hang up. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Jeff. I'm concerned for the second and third units because up until Saturday, you know, none of those guys had taken a snap in a BYU game. And Finnegan, you know, was not a highly coveted recruit coming out of high school. BYU didn't even offer him. And he was an LDS kid and still, you know, still LDS. He went to Boise State first. I think there's definite concern. I am intrigued by Jake Retzlaff, and I think it tells you a little bit from Aaron Roderick that he wants to badly maintain Retzlaff's redshirt. Notice, game's out of reach, blowout. Finnegan steps in, not Retzlaff, because, again, they would like to keep Retzlaff redshirted, and maybe that says they view him as a QB1 of the future. I still am of the belief down the road next year and beyond you're probably looking at a portal QB just to kind of ensure your numbers, but Retzlaff's intriguing and, and you he's got that dual threat ability maybe that Slovis doesn't bring to the BYU offense and I would even argue Finnegan's more of a uh, pa- pocket passer as well. He's got some dual threat ability. He's a good athlete coming out of high school, but I think he'd rather sit in the pocket where Retzlaff can can run and also kind of make those cliche off platform throws as well. But I am to answer the question. I am a little bit concerned about that second unit on the quarterback spot. We got time for one more call. Eight zero one five seven five eight two five five. If you get on the air in the next three minutes, it'll qualify you for tickets for BYU in Cincinnati. I'm not too concerned if it's a short term thing. I feel like Finnegan or Retzlaff could come in and keep the ball rolling. I just I don't feel like those guys are up to Slovis's ceiling in terms of potential. But I'm not so down on them like uh, this coaching staff was on Jacob Conover. Like uh, they just last year they would 
tried to do anything they could to stay away from Jacob Conover. I don't think that's quite the reaction to these backup quarterbacks. Let's get out to the phone line brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. Gordon, you're on Cougar Nation. What's on your mind, Gordon? Hi, just, uh, you know, as much as I'd like BYU to win this game, I don't think it's going to be close. And and it's not going to be close because... A blowout? Because BYU cannot run the ball. They cannot run the ball. And and Slovis is not hitting enough targets. He's targeting Rex too much. I think for those two reasons, it's not going to go well. I beg to differ. Uh, I, I don't think he's – look, I have no problem with Slovis targeting the top dogs. I, in fact, I think that's a strength of this offense right now is that they know who the playmakers are and they get them the football. Like, you see that all the time in the NFL. I know it's a different game, but in the NFL, you target your best players. Like the year that the Rams targeted Cooper Cup over and over again and again, they win the Super Bowl. So I have no problem with them targeting their best players offensively. The run game is a valid concern, which we've discussed a lot here in Cougar Nation. That has to change. And look, I'm not looking for 150 plus yards. Just can't be two yards a carry. It's got to be north of three. They got. You brought this up earlier, Mitch. Shrink the clock a little bit with the run game. You have to, and I think that BYU's got a chance to hang around. BYU is going to bring the effort. That's one thing you can never question about BYU, and I know it's a cliche thing, but I do believe BYU's going to bring it, whereas you can say with Arkansas, will they have that same urgency? Sam Pittman said they would, but sometimes there's got to be some doubt where you think, hey, we crushed these guys a year ago. We're going to cruise once again against BYU. We'll find out Saturday, 5.30 kick. Pre-game, extended pregame gets started at noon. Myself, Matt Biamonte here to my right. We'll be live in Fayetteville having you covered here on KSL News Radio and KSLSports.com. All right, we're going to sign off for Cougar Nation every single Monday, 6 to 7. We'll be back next Monday, and as you mentioned, extended pregame coming your way. Don't want to miss it. Join us each and every Saturday on Cougar Sports Saturday. We'll see you soon.